Hey there, and welcome to another Change Catalyst conversation where we talk about anything and everything that has to do with building cohesive, vision-driven teams that make sustainable change happen, even when change seems impossible. I'm Casey Watts, Impact Coaching Consultant and the host of this show. What I know from experience is that making change happen can be overwhelming and downright hard. Sometimes as an instructional leader, you survey your organization from a bird's eye view, and it can seem as though you're witnessing an anthill that's been knocked down and ants are scattering everywhere. No one has a collective understanding of why change should happen or what change to begin first. You notice false starts again and again because a solid action plan hasn't been crafted or you're met with resistance because you don't know how to motivate such complex people. The thing about ants though, is that they have one common goal and that is to collectively rebuild one solid anthill. But this doesn't always happen for schools. You see, we can say as much as we want that tier one instruction needs to happen or that a curriculum needs to be implemented with fidelity, or that PLCs need to be collaborative and support student learning. But these broad, ambiguous goals do nothing to help teachers and staff build capacity and actually make change happen. And that leads to schools remaining in a cycle of stagnancy, experiencing the same problems and ineffectively repeating the same initiatives again and again. This leads to low morale, burnout, high turnover, and it leaves our students to suffer most. But if instructional leaders can get really clear on a narrowed instructional focus and script the critical moves for people, then we can make collective efficacy, a united colony of educators, if you will, possible. My goal is to make cohesive, vision-driven school teams a possibility. I help school leaders zoom out to cast vision and then zoom back in to script critical moves that help teams collectively go farther, faster, and better, even when change seems impossible. One way I do this is by coaching leaders through the Clarity Cycle Framework, a cycle for building sustainable capacity through intentional clarity processes. Are you ready to feel great about exactly where you and your campus are headed? And are you ready to know exactly how you're going to get there? If so, you're going to want to stop right now and head to catchingupwithkc.com to learn more about the Clarity Cycle Framework and then come back to catch up on this episode. It'll still be here when you get back. Okay, now that you are primed, For thinking about cohesive, vision-driven teams that make change happen, let's jump into this week's Change Catalyst conversation. Hey, everybody. I am stoked. I'm trying to get away from saying I'm so excited because I say that every single time it feels like. I'm stoked tonight to have Sherry St. Clair with us. Sherry, welcome to a Change Catalyst conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to let you guys know ahead of time, we already have kind of run into some technical difficulties, but we're working it out. And (laughs) Sherry just got on with me. So 
I'm just so glad that you're here. And tonight, Sherry is going to tell us a little bit about listening tours. We're going to be thinking about the power of listening tours. And I can't wait because I've been telling people here and there in different pieces of my content the power of listening tours and why it's so important to so many different things that we do as educational leaders. But before we get started with that, Sherry, I want you to take a little bit of time and tell us a little bit about who you are, what it is you do, and um, what brings you here tonight. Sure. And my name is Sherry, author of Coaching Redefined. I have um, been a teaching assistant in schools, a teacher, a high school administrator. I worked for the state of Kentucky Department in uh, for a while. And um, from there, my national work just grew to where I left the school system and started consulting with schools. I work with schools um, all across the country and all across the world. I, I just love, love, love what I get to do. So my work is all in the area of instructional leadership coaching um, school administrators, district leaders, instructional coaches um, on leading instructional change in their schools. So just blessed beyond belief to get to do the work that I get to do and work with the educators that I get to work with across the country. Love my work. That's awesome. So where are you located, Sherry? I'm located in Kentucky. Um, I don't get to be here very much <laughs> with my work, but that is where I'm stationed. Yeah. Well, if I may be as bold to say this, but I, you can hear just a tinge of a, an accent. <laughs> and I'm always thinking like, where are these people from? Because I'm from deep East Texas. And when I get around my family, my twang comes out. So I will be hanging out with them this coming weekend. And I know, I know when I get back, it's just going to be there you know? So, yeah. I Well, I'll tell one funny story and then we'll get, get onto the serious stuff. But I work with the island and educators on the island of Saipan over near Guam. And one of the little elementary students saw me one day and they said, are you a cowboy? Because you sound like a cowboy, but I've never seen a girl cowboy before. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. You know, I'd that's awesome. Yeah. No, not a cowboy. Might sound like it, but not. That's funny. Okay. So Sherry, um, you know, I was saying earlier that I have referenced your work specifically listening to her so much in a lot of my content. So recently I did a share cast all about PLCs and resetting PLCs or starting them from scratch and mentioned how important it would be to implement listening tours when you're starting that process of resetting. And right now, when I'm going through this clarity cycle framework, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is implementing listening tours and or feedback meetings to start getting really clear about what it is that staff understands about instructional goals and what our current reality is. So I want you to tell us a little bit about how you developed this concept of listening tours. How did that come about for you? Well, first of all, I did not develop it. It is a, a learned term. So uh, for those of you who've read Coaching Redefined or, or follow my work, know that I'm really big in studying 
in business and business research and how businesses make change. And not because I believe a school operates just research to study how do people change, what motivates people, what drives ideas, those kinds of things. So um, in Coaching Redefined, I referenced Lego and, and how they did a, li a listening tour to change product. And um, as I started diving into this idea of listening to it reminded me of the importance of stepping back in our role as structural leaders and listening to those that, that we serve and not taking our ideas forward, but to take our organization's ideas forward. So, you know, if we're talking about collective teacher efficacy, um, as so many of us are, we have to understand that that's everybody and um, everybody's beliefs in included. And so we have to honor those um, people that we serve. So the the idea of listening to her came from uh, the business world, and it is one that truly does make a huge impact on schools when they implement it. I think uh, if I had to pick one thing out of Coaching Redefined that I get the most feedback on, it is this idea. It is not something that you can do overnight, but it is something that if you will do it and you will stick to it, I promise you it will have a huge impact on the culture of your school. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting. Most things that take the most time end up having the most impact on our growth mm -hmm. and development as teachers and learners. So what are, tell, like walk us through what a listening tour is. Like what would one notice in a listening tour? Sure. So I'm going to walk you through what ideally it should be like. And then we can talk about um, ways that I have seen schools modify it and use it uh, to fit their needs as well. But a listening tour is an opportunity to listen to those you serve. So when you think about, and, and when, when I'm uh, talking about those you serve, the instructional leader. So I have seen listening tours be conducted by school administrators, and I've seen listening tours be conducted by coaches, and I've seen listening tours be conducted by district personnel. So in that leadership role, you think about those people that you serve. But for today, we're talking about coaching. Let's, let's pretend that we're talking to the coach audience today. So a coach would um, be interviewing their school administrator, first and foremost, to make sure they have permission to do this because you're going to get into some deep conversations and they need to be kept confidential. So make sure you're talking with the administrator first and uh, outline how to do that in Coaching Redefined. But you really want to make sure you have that permission and that safety net set up. And then you're going to be um, talking to teachers. You're going to be talking to students. You're going to be talking to some caregivers, parents, guardians, and then business leaders. So those should be separate meetings that you set up and ask them questions related to instruction. So all of the questions that go along with the listening tour should be geared towards instruction, not sports, not anything extra, not that those things aren't important, but we are focusing on instruction and the way that people feel about the instruction in the school. So you would do this by setting up typically it's group meetings with a small group of people asking their asking their feelings about what's happening um, 
in regards to the instruction in the school. I have a whole set of questions that you can ask in Coaching Redefined. I also have those listed on my website. And uh, people can find that at reflecttolearn.com and go to the resource section and for the book. Uh, but there's a set of questions there. You do not want to ask every one of those questions. You will not be liked by those <laughs> that you are interviewing. But just pick a few that you feel like are going to lead you to know what you feel like you need to know to change the school. It's not to say that you can't add extra ones later on, but just start out with a few focused questions and um, ask the groups all the same question. And then you're going to collect that data and look at it holistically. See what rises from that. There will be things that, um, that you're listening for that will rise to the top and then you will have some surprises. Um, you want to listen to what they're saying and what they're not saying to you. For example, if the school has said their focus is literacy for three years and nobody mentions literacy, that tells you something. Um, it mm -hmm. speaks volumes to you. So pay attention to you know what they're saying, what they're not saying. Pay attention to um, their smiles, their demeanor. Just know how the school is ready for change if, if you need to do that slowly or quickly or just, just that readiness level. Um, but it is amazing the things that you discover if you take that time to listen. The question I typically get asked is, well, how many people do we interview? And I, I don't have a scientific answer for that. I would say be careful of your own biases. You know, don't interview only the gifted students. I don't mm -hmm. interview only the parents who are involved in every activity so that you don't sway your own data, but get a good range of individuals and try to find uh, try to find what's truly happening in the school and, and what is also uh, resonating with people. Yeah. And so I wonder, as you're talking about all this, I kind of wonder if you have found that sometimes um, it depends on the person that's actually conducting the interview, how open and honest people will be. Have you noticed that before? Well, sure. And how well they know you and how well mm. the turn or how stable the school is. So if the school's had seven new administrators in six years, you know, teachers are not going to just be forthcoming. They're going to be on guard as any human would be. Um, right. So, yes, you have to keep all that in mind. But that is data that you're collecting. That is the soft data that tells you, hey, I'm going to have to do some relationship building, some trust building, some culture things before I think about this reading initiative. You know, sometimes we forget that we are working with humans and they've been through a lot. And definitely, you know, as we're coming out of COVID and in the environment that we're in, we definitely see those extra layers of stress on people. And so you just have to keep that in mind as you are working towards these instructional goals, because it's not just about instruction. There's right. this whole other element that's taking place. Um, that we have to be aware of. So yet the, to answer your question, absolutely. But that's part of it. That's part of the learning behind it. 
Um, yeah. You know, if there's two or three instructional coaches in a school, they might do these together. They um, it, just to see if people respond better to one or the other person. Sometimes they just naturally do that. It has nothing to do with the person, just, you know, natural human tendency sometimes. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I also was thinking too, like, as the person who is conducting the listening tours, what do you feel like is most important for those people? So if I was the instructional leader and I'm conducting a listening tour, what am I going to have to keep in mind after people have responded to me? Um, I think you have to keep in mind that this does, you don't want to hold anything against the person. So if the person, let's just say, <laughs> you have been working really hard on making reading a priority in the school and you're not hearing people mention reading as uh, the, was one of the main focuses of the school. I mean, you could take that personally, um, but you have to really try your best to stay unbiased there. This is to help you help them. So keep that in mind. Keep everything confidential. Um, you don't want to go out and, and share who shared this. It, you can share big ideas that came about during a listening tour, but don't connect names to it. Don't hold it against students either, parents. You know, you want to keep that environment safe. Yeah. Because you're going to want to do these later. You, this isn't a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you have that initial listening tour, but then keep in mind that you want to keep asking those questions throughout the year. So it, it might not be, sometimes I, I have, when I'm coaching admin teams, we'll sit in the room and we'll, we'll pick out into that month. And those are just follow-up questions from your listening tour. It's because they're watching to see what is being gained. Are we making gains in this soft data? Um, they'll mm -hmm. ask students the same questions. They'll ask the parents in the pickup line the same questions. So you want to make sure that you're creating that safe environment where people will share with you um, in, in a way that will help instruction grow. Yeah. I think it's and if interesting. You've seen, these questions, seen these questions are also Yeah. I think it's interesting too. Like when you think about people being asked the same questions again and again, at some point, if I answer the same way every on my own response and thinking, okay, wait, I know I'm answering this in the same way each time, but now I'm going to take some time to really reflect on it because I've given the same answer almost every single time. Is that something that I really believe when I, when I answer that? Right. And you might think of, you know, I, I'll do this after this interview. You'll think, Oh, I should have said such and such. And, and you can yeah. add that to it. Or um, sometimes administrators will say, you know, since the last time we talked, how do you feel this is going? And, and the other thing about that is teachers, students, parents, business leaders are also seeing that you care enough to ask them. You know, sometimes we're making all these decisions for students and we never ask the students or the right. parents. We're making these decisions and we never go to them and ask, how do you feel about this? Or teachers, how do you feel about this? And just having that listening tour is 
just creates that level of respect enough to say, I'm going to stop what I'm doing to hear what you're saying and know that I'm using that information to lead. Um, I, I will caution you to say, if you're not going to do anything with the information that you hear from the listening tours, don't do them. Because mm -hmm. then people just say, well, I shared it and it went nowhere. So why do they even want, why do I need to even share that? Why do I give up my time? So if you're not prepared to, you know, put on the tough skin to hear it and use that to lead, then, then don't, don't conduct a listening tour um, yeah. because it'll just hurt your school. I'm wondering how you introduce listening tours, because it seems like if you're if you're intentionally conducting them, then you want people to know that you're about to conduct them and you want them to know why. So how would you suggest going about introducing them? Uh, similar to what I said earlier is that you can relate it to the business world, I think, is just if you think that people can hear that message, do that. But just let them know that you're wanting to hear how things are going and that their voice is important and it's valued and, and you need to be able to hear that to, um, to lead effectively. Now, most people are, are pretty good about sharing unless they've been hurt in the past and they have this guard that they have up. And sometimes mm -hmm. it takes a little longer with those people. Yeah. But I would just introduce it that way. And the mm -hmm. other thing that I would suggest is, is if you feel like you're in that environment where people are going to be standoffish, share the questions beforehand. There's nothing, mm -hmm. you know, that might help them think through it. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. They're going to be just a handful of questions. And so share them and let them think beforehand. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I don't usually suggest. People will ask me, can we just uh, fill out, put a Google form up and have people fill it out? And what I say is, if that's the best you can do, it's better than nothing. But you know people respond differently when they're writing something down. Sometimes they're shorter. Sometimes um they're, they don't say the same things as they would to you in person, and you miss the opportunity to read their facial expressions. So it is much, much more valuable in person, if possible, than, you know, just on paper. Yeah. And it's, you said earlier about watching, like you're, you're listening with your whole self, and you're listening by watching all of them. You're not just listening to what they're saying, you're listening to how they're saying it and what interactions you're having as they're saying these things. And all of those things make a huge difference in the data that you take away from it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And this is data beyond, you know, you know, your reading score or your SAT score. Mm -hmm. This is the soft data that impacts the culture of the school and how well change can happen. And, and it, it is impacting you whether or not you take time to listen to it. Whether yeah. you not take time to work it into your leadership, it is impacting you. So it is just being brave enough to step forward and face the conversation and, and, and use it to, to help you lead the school. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I really love that you said um, that it's important to come back to the questions. Like you can ask the same questions throughout the whole year. And I'm thinking so much about how that, how that does support the culture of the school, but also how when you reflect on those same questions, you're able to have like, those are going to filter out into conversations that people are having amongst themselves and not just with you. So it's kind of like multiplying that conversation elsewhere so that you can have the impact that you want to have, you know, not just on, not just on your, your broader community, but on down to the student level. Absolutely. So I want to say a couple of things about that. And, and, and these, you know, people always add to my work. That's what I love about putting your work out there is, is people can take it and make it even better. But um, I've had the privilege of leading the um, Literacy Leadership Institute in the state of Georgia for several years now. And uh, we go over the listening tours and leaders will take it and use it in their school. But this one um, administrator had it set up during one of their parent night events where they asked their parents um, some of the listening to her questions. Then they took that data and kept, kept all of it. But then some of the positive things, they just started sharing out to their staff and didn't put a parent's name with it, but just said, teachers, just so you know, during parent night, a parent shared da 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 and they put out one of those a week and I mean think about sometimes all we hear is the negative that the, yeah. you know when the parents upset that's when we we hear their voice so think about the power of changing your culture of your school when you do something like that and I had yeah. another um, school leader who the they would interview their students and then they put this big aha moments of that data in their weekly newsletters to their teachers. And again, just think about how, what a message that sends that we are going to be listening to our students. There's, these are elementary students, but they still have a voice. We're going to be listening to them. Here's what they're saying to us. It really can uh, change the way that you see what's happening in your school. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us, like, do you have any examples of how you've seen this benefit school specifically or the leaders in schools or the teachers or the students specifically? So I'll give you one really neat example, I think. It was of a, an elementary school and they had done the listening tour. And one of the things that the teachers were saying is, we do not have enough time to teach our content, which feels like we're always behind and, and we're just running out of time. That's a typical thing in schools. We never have time, right? But, but what was interesting is when they did the interview with the students, the thing the students said is, we spend too much time reviewing things that we did last year. That wow. was a prevalent thing in their conversation. And so here the teachers were thinking they were benefiting the kids by slowing things down and reviewing. The kids were saying, hey, listen, we did this last year. Let's move on. And so they used that information to realign their curriculum and to speed things up. So I think um, just taking the time to stop and listen to the students there um, yeah. was a powerful example of, of something that 
be used for change. Um, there are examples too of things like um, sometimes we have to filter out. So I've had a school who, you know, they interviewed their business leaders and were not things really the one the school wanted to to move forward with. And there were reasons why, but they couldn't professionally share those um, with the, the business world. And I'd share that as an example, just to make sure we know that just because every somebody makes a suggestion doesn't mean you jump on it. You, you don't yeah. want to do that. You want to lead wisely. But um, that is, you know, just an example of something that surfaced through there. But I, I've seen them change cultures. I, I think the most that I see is it changing with students and with teachers. We're listening to their voices more and um, they see that and they feel respected from that. Yeah. Uh, I know that when they're implemented safely in schools with staff, what I typically hear is, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for hearing our voice. We feel heard. Those kind of things are pretty common to hear with teachers. Right. And I would imagine, too, that just having those listening tours and producing that conversation brings a whole lot of clarity to what direction people are headed and how they're going to get there. So the example with the students who said, hey, we're spending so much time reviewing, let's move on. Well, there's clarity there. And think about how often teachers believe they need so much time to review when really if we'd considered what the students had to say about it, we could move forward and have clarity in, yes, we need to move forward. Yes, it is okay. Let's see what happens when we do this collectively together. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Coaching Redefined, there's a change readiness tool. So you can take this data and then put it into that tool and it shows you how fast or how slow you might uh, be able to lead. But th that is something that I want to make sure listeners are aware of. And also to say, um, after you do that listening tour of listening to people, kind of walk the halls see what your halls are saying about instruction, look at any kind of publication your school's putting out. I'll go into some of that in Coaching Redefined too, but listen to those things as well, um, just to see if they're focused on instruction and how you're promoting instructional growth in your school. Yeah, awesome. And guys, if you are catching the replay of this on Spotify or YouTube, you'll see it specifically on Spotify, you'll see um, the links to Sherry's website, the Coaching Redefined book, you'll see all of that in the show notes. So Sherry, I want to ask you, because this show is all about making cohesive, vision-driven teams possible, how do you feel like listening tours support teams? And I get, and it could be leadership teams or grade-level teams or content teams. How do you feel like it, listening tours support or are important for building cohesive vision-driven teams? Well, I think it shows you what you're truly dealing with. Uh, just because people don't say these things to you, you're still dealing with them. So mm -hmm. it, it is much better to have it out and open and talk about it and know the stressors that people are feeling or the excitement that they're feeling. You know, it can it could go both ways. 
So it just bring that cohesive piece there. I mean, people need these safe places to talk about it. Yeah. I, and and it really does help you quite mm-hmm. frankly. If you have that environment where they're sharing, you can lead that. You you can handle that much better than, you know, sitting behind your desk thinking, well, I wonder what they're thinking about this or how, how they're going to just, you know, talk to them have that conversation and let them know that we are creating that culture where we can have these conversations. So Mm -hmm. I think it definitely helps with that cohesive piece. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you said the word transparency and you also said like, you don't, you're not waiting or wondering what it is that they're thinking. And at the same time, they're not having to wait and wonder what you're thinking or what you're your thought processes are in implementing um, a change or an initiative. So that transparency piece is crucial and that clarity piece is crucial also. They really go hand in hand. So I have one more question for you, Sherry, before we end. And as we get to the close, guys, if you are here tonight with us live, go ahead and put in the comments what you felt like was most useful for you. If you have a question about listening tours, put that in the comments too. Um, if you, if someone wanted to implement listening tours like tomorrow, what ways and what ways would you kind of already cautioned us a little bit about? Be careful of this. How would you further caution us or in what ways would you encourage someone who wanted to try this out tomorrow? Well, I wouldn't try it tomorrow because you need to do a little bit more pre-planning than that. (laughs) But I would say start by getting that list of questions, going through it and just starting to pick a few. If you're not in that admin role, you know, get that permission to, to have that um, conversation and then also how the flow of your permission they might want to know what what's shared and so you set those person who said it and, and such and then just start setting up those individual meetings you know to try to get sets of people in the a room to talk about um, these issues. And, and it may be that people you might you may want to start with a couple one-on-ones just to try it out and then go to more of a group setting. But mm-hmm. that's where I would start. Yeah. And it could even be beneficial to think about like who are your square squad people that are going to give you some honest feedback after trying out listening tours. So develop your questions very intentionally, get into Sherry's book so that you can use those as a guide for yourself and then go to your square squad people and say, hey, I'm I'm about to try out these listening tours. I want to test it out. I really would love your honest feedback so we can make the best of this moving forward. Um, And we've got a couple of comments here. So Mm -hmm. Melissa said, love what Sherry said about it's best to know what everyone is really thinking. Yes, (laughs) it is. 
Yes, yes, it helps us. Sometimes yeah, it's hard it on our heart, but it does help us. Mm-hmm. And Sheila is, I'm, I'm assuming that's how I say your name. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, but she said, yes, start with one-on-one. And I agree with that. I think that's a great mm-hmm. way to start if you are beginning this, because you could easily fall into, yeah. and I've got a book somewhere, I think it's right here. You could easily notice people falling into groupthink. And we don't want them to fall into groupthink when we're asking these questions. And we don't want to notice a, a cascade effect where one person makes a comment and everyone else falls into line, even if it's not what they're thinking. Right. Okay. Any other thoughts on that, Sherry? Anything else you want to add or how would you, what would you and hope you that, know that your culture away? So, you know, every school... So if your culture is, you know, one-on-one, do your people well enough to, to know what will work. And if you don't, then definitely start with, with the one-on-one. And um, the only thing I would say is to try it. If the, if the big listening tour seems too large for you and too overwhelming, then don't start there. Just start mm-hmm with a couple questions and a couple people asking people for that kind of feedback or when you're walking into a classroom and you sit beside a student, just ask a student, you know, a question, just get used to that. If you don't think that you can do a full blown listening to her, that's okay. Um, just yeah. try to start hearing people's feedback so that, so that it can help you grow your organization. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a great idea. Okay, guys. So we are going to wrap up. Um, Sherry, I'm so glad that you got to come on tonight and share about listening tours. I know that people are going to be able to come back to this episode and hear more about it. And they are going to hopefully go to your website and it is reflect to learn. Reflect to learn.com. And I would love to hear from people. Yes. Perfect. And I know that they can find you all over social media as well. So guys, remember, you can look at the um, show notes to get links to all of the things. I will have all of the things that Sherry mentioned linked there. And Sherry, thank you so much for coming on with me tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys. Next time I come on here live. I'm it's going to be a bonus episode and it's actually on Tuesday, which is a little bit different for me, but I'm coming on Tuesday and I'm going to be sharing all about clarity cycles and how I've used clarity cycles to make change happen in schools. One of the things that I'm going to mention is implementing listening tours to identify needs and I can't wait. So come and join me Tuesday evening, 6:30 on Tuesday evening, not at 7. Okay. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys, I want to give a huge shout out to you for tuning into today's Change Catalyst conversation. I would love for you to do me two solid favors. Number one, if you have enjoyed this or any other Change Catalyst conversation, do me a favor and hit subscribe. I've got a lot of great content and guests coming up, and I don't want you to miss any of it. Number two, if you are thinking of a friend or colleague who could benefit from this show, share it with them. 
The only way to make change happen is through a multiplier effect. And you can be a multiplier by sharing this show. Until next time, I want you to go off and do the great things that change catalysts do.